It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, July twenty fifth, and you're listening to episode five hundred and thirty. As always, I am your host, Jason. Here today, joined by a longtime designer and friend of mine. Jonathan Chaffer, designer of Stroop, other games, and of course the Holiday Hijink series from Grand Gamers Guild. Jonathan, it's good to have you back. How you doing? It is great to be here. I'm doing very well. I'm riding a bit of a high coming off of my uh, first in-person protospiel event last weekend yeah. in three years. How was that? Other than that, clearly good because you're riding a high, so that's usually not a bad thing. Yeah, well, I, I mean, mean in some I circumstances, think, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, attendance was not as large as it had been pre-pandemic, um, right. which is not not surprising. But um, it was yeah, it was shocking. a healthy attendance. There were always several games going, even at the uh, lowest points. And um, yeah, just seeing faces that I haven't seen in a long time I by bet. itself yeah. was wonderful. Did you get? Did you yourself get some testing in? Yeah, my uh, I I always take notes and and uh, have my balance sheet of the amount of time that I'm contributing and consuming. And and this year was more on the contributing side, but I was kind of I was fine with it. The designs I had um, were are both fairly late, and so um, that is not. Uh, it's it's always anything is useful feedback at a protospiel, but earlier designs right. tend to be a better fit for there mm-hmm. um, that makes compared sense. to something like an unpub where, um, yeah, earlier yeah. designs are not a good fit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it was fantastic, and um, you know, the, my my favorite experiences are always uh, are always when I do sit down at a early design with a designer who is very receptive to feedback and I feel mm-hmm. like I can really meaningfully contribute. That so. is, yeah, that is really helpful because, uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise you feel like, you know, you're, um, you're just, uh, giving info that is going to be ignored, which is <laughs> kind of a bummer, um, when you want to be helpful. <laughs> there was one in particular that over the course of the weekend, is almost unrecognizable compared to how the game began over the weekend and uh one of the coolest settings that i've seen in a game recently was it was uh every card represented one of the endangered languages in the world and there are a lot of them and it listed how many known speakers there were um, some of them saying like less than 5,000, some of them saying less than five and wow. they all had, I mean, this person had done wingspan level research of facts on all of these cards about languages. So I was wow. at first almost not caring about the game because I just wanted to read all the cool facts. <laughs> yeah. Right. I would be so distracted. <laughs> That's really cool. But yeah, it wow. was, um, it was energizing and i can't wait for the next one that's awesome that's awesome glad to hear it did you test uh was it boo boo kiki yeah boo boo kiki and drunken sailor which i've talked about both of them on here in Mm -hmm. past episodes yes both of those are 
are shaping up very well and entering the uh, kind of publisher pitch stages. And um, awesome, glad to hear that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, those uh, Boo Boo Kiki I've played more than once, and that is a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, yeah, awesome. Well, uh, are you going to Gen Con since that's coming up soon? I am not. I kind of. I'm still still easing myself into being comfortable in the large groups, and that was mm-hmm. like you were talking about last week. That's uh, yeah. quite a uh, qu- quite an ordeal, even even in it the is, best times. Um, and uh, so I'm probably I'll be uh, I'm planning on Gen uh, sorry on on Grand Con uh, because that'll be a little bit smaller. And, yep, same. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I'm thinking about Protospiel Chicago. I'm not not quite sure yet whether i'll make the trip but um i'm, I'm thinking that a, a handful this year and and back into it in earnest next year hopefully right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i said that last year and yeah. then did none last year except for uh no i did none last year and then i went to uh geekway for the first time this year um I'm, i am gonna try gen con i think uh i'm still planning on that um i need to figure a couple things out because i i originally thought i was probably going to go on wednesday and i don't think i can now um so i need to figure a couple scheduling things out with that and then uh i don't think i'll go back on sunday i think i'll just give myself you know like get there later on thursday um be there until uh you know um saturday sometime and then uh yeah 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 and heck depending on when i get done saturday who knows maybe i'll just bug out then we'll see uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be completely masked and everything like everyone should be, but I won't be going into restaurants or anything like that. It'll all be takeout. It'll all be, you know, I mean, I, I'm happy to eat outside if possible with a very small group of people that I trust who I know are also taking it very seriously. Uh, that's what I did at Geekway, and that was really helpful. Um, and I'm staying with Kelly Hoagland, who I know takes it very just as seriously as I do, for sure. So, um, but yeah, no, I um. I'm not super stoked about it. Like I'm usually excited about Gen Con and I'm not, I'm, I'm more anxious, I think than anything. So, so we'll see. It may, <laughs> I was talking to a friend on Twitter and I said, you know what, it may, my biggest fear is that I, I'm going to just not have fun because I'm just going to be so anxious about the, the amount of people the whole time that I just won't, I won't have a good time. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's a reasonably safe expectation to have that that very well may be the case um and that's a bummer because i mean i've spent a lot of money and driven down there and taken a lot of time to (laughs) just be anxious and not have fun that kind of (laughs) sucks yeah yeah but uh i'm I'm sure it'll work out for the best for you and yeah no I, i agree with you i think i think it'll work out for the best uh yeah so i just expected to be a little everything be a little further along um then it is in this process in 2022 but uh yeah so so anyways um we'll see what happens um but yeah i'll be there likely uh i'm gonna make the final decision this week or early next week or late this week i need to book a hotel but we're staying out of town so there's like dozens of hotels that still have plenty of availability if you're willing to stay out by the airport and drive in so we're uber in or whatever so Mm yeah yeah, so I think that's what we'll end up doing. Uh, I actually did find rooms. If you were willing to book all four nights, I did find rooms downtown just last week. Um, and they were not even crazy expensive. They were about 400 bucks a night. 
which is not cheap, but by Gen Con standards are not, it's not completely crazy. Uh, but they were all king size rooms, like one bed and that was it. And there were two of us, uh, maybe three even, uh, at one point. So I was like, I'm not going to, sp- or I'm also not going to split four plus hundred dollar rooms for four nights with one person. <laughs> this is a <laughs> lot, you know, plus you have to pay 30 to 50 bucks in parking a day for each car. So, yeah. Yeah. The one, one of the advantages of small conventions, like protospiel last weekend is being in smaller towns where the hotels are cheap. Right, right, so that right. was, but, uh, if you do get a breakfast at your hotel, I can guarantee it will be more elaborate than the one that I experienced uh, Sunday morning when the hotel had a package of Fruit Loops out there and a plate of Twinkies and Ding Dongs. <laughs> what? what? I, I could not believe what I was seeing. I... What? Like that's so crazy. And don't get me wrong. I had a Twinkie. <laughs> I mean, I would have. I might have had a ding dong. It's all right, but like that is that is odd. That is really odd. The Fruit Loops tracks, I mean, but the Twinkies, the ding dongs, like what? Like I mean, if you're going to buy that kind of stuff, buy some like breakfast ones, right? Like Little <laughs> Debbie has a whole line of breakfast ones. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of a bizarre experience, but yeah, I'll, I'll be preserved for one more year now, having eaten that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. It is funny, though. You mentioned smaller conventions and cheaper. That is one downside to Grand Con, is if you want to stay downtown, those hotels are not cheap. Grand Rapids, uh, the hotels are very nice there, but they are not the cheapest hotels in the world. We actually got an Airbnb last time because that was cheaper than getting a hotel. Mm, yeah. I mean, much like much like the Gen Con experience, if you're willing to go a little farther and commute yeah, in yep. for the day, then it can be very affordable. Right. And I could actually commute from home. I mean, I'm uh, you're over. Where are you? Are you in Grand Rapids? Yes. Yeah, you're in Grand Rapids. For some reason, I was thinking Ann Arbor because we were just talking about Protospiel, but I should have known uh, you're in, in Grand Rapids. Um, So for you, that's super easy. For me, I'm just far enough away that, like, do I want to spend two hours a day in the car going back and forth. Um, and historically I haven't, I almost always just stay there because if I'm going to go for multiple days, why not, you know, make it a little, make it a little more fun of being able to stay there later and get more done. Sure. Especially cause I find those small cons are some of the best cons for getting stuff done. So for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, we should probably talk about a topic cause we have, you have made, like 77 pages of notes, give or take 70 pages, <laughs> I would say. Um, but it's a lot. And uh, I'm super stoked about this. Uh, I'm super stoked about this topic uh, because it's something that we talk about in every show, but never have talked about in this way. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to let you introduce it because you are you actually you're here because you reached out to me and said, hey, I have another topic that I can make a big discussion list about that I'm excited to talk about. And I was like, that's a great topic. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So um, this actually occurred to me because I was listening to the Shop and Sit Down podcast recently. And um, Ava on their team had a great interview that she did with uh, Tim Clare, um, who was talking about... um, what they have uh, 
observed in terms of people pitching games. And mm-hmm. so before I go into more detail of what I heard there, um, I want to ask you, so when at the end of every episode, when you talk about practicing the pitch, what do you, what do you mean by a pitch? Like, who are you pitching to when you're talking about practicing the pitch? That is, so that is a great question. Um, And obviously I did look at this ahead of time, um, but that's, it's tough. Like I'm trying to think back to 10 years ago. I, I honestly think when Rob and I came up with that segment, it was the idea that the more get times we practice, we did a pitch. And I think we were just thinking of a game pitch. The more times we practiced the pitch, we would be ready to show, to tell anybody about our game. Right. But, but I really feel like the initial intention was the idea of getting ready to pitch our games to publishers or customers, depending on how those games got out there. Right. Um, Many times it was obviously has been pitching the games to the audience alone. Right. I mean, a lot of those game ideas would never go anywhere. And we knew that when we were pitching them. But I think the original intention was to get us good at talking about our games in a concise way to publishers and or customers. Yeah. So and that's been my impression is that the focus has generally been how would I get a publisher interested in this thing that I'm working on? Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's usually what I think of when I hear the word pitch in relation to game design that's what i'm that's that what makes i'm sense. focused on as well yep and that's why this struck me when they were using this term on this podcast and they were specifically talking about the person in the booth at gen con who is trying to get you to play and or buy their game right, right. and so i was there were a lot of great, I mean, I recommend that episode um, for everyone um, because mm-hmm. they, they really dove deeply into that aspect of pitching. And I thought, um, I don't want to try to compete with that because it was just such a great conversation, but I think there's a lot for us to, to think about and say about what are the differences in how you pitch a game depending on the audience that you're pitching to. Mm-hmm. And um, I totally agree. Yeah. So I don't think I think that if you're just thinking, how do I pitch this game? You can get in the mindset that there is a right way to pitch a given game. And once you know that pitch, that's what you do to make someone interested in that game. But yep, I think so. I I was thinking about it and this isn't there's nothing scientific here, but I identified four categories, four different kinds of pitches that I think are substantially different in how you might structure them and what you might say. And I kind of arranged them sort of chronologically um, in terms of uh, the lifespan of a game designer. So I, so I, I was thinking the first kind of pitch is the pitch that we do any given week when we're having a board game night mm-hmm. where you're trying to get people interested in playing not even your own game, just a, mm-hmm. just you want to play a game and that's a pitch. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one kind of pitch. And then, then there are pitches. And then we go into the design world 
there's the kind of pitch when you're trying to get someone to play test your game. And that's different yep. than the pitch that we were talking about, which is pitching a game to a publisher. And that's even that is different than a sales pitch to a customer. Yep. Yep. So I thought maybe we could go through these, talk about the, the different, uh, basically the differences between each of these. Yeah, that sounds great. We're just going to take them in the order you uh, presented them in, right? Yeah, sure. So first up again is pitching a published game to a potential player of that game. So yeah, even within yeah. that, <laughs> even within that, there are a lot of probably <laughs> subcategories, right? So indeed. Yeah. Is this a ga established game night with your friends? Is this your family at a family gathering where the alternative might be not playing a game? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, are you pitching this to someone who is a hobby gamer or who is not? Right, right, right. And is it the type of game they would typically play? Uh, or is it something maybe slightly outside of what their comfort zone is for playing? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that and that I think is the first part is that there's... So what I guess you'd think about why are you pitching this game? So it's are you excited about a particular game that you want to play and are trying to find people to play it with you? Or is it um, that you're in a setting where you think the that everyone would enjoy playing a game together, in which case it doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't really matter what the game is and you should pick the right game for the audience. And that's probably a whole separate topic. Right, right. I was thinking when I first read this, my first thought was most of the time when we have a game night, I'm the one who knows the most about the games. So I will tailor games that are, I will tailor my game choices to people and yeah. what I know that they are capable of playing and or would enjoy playing. You, and I don't you, ask them. I just say, this is what we're playing. Right. And they you usually have a good the, time. Yeah. You become the game sommelier, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I think most people appreciate that because then you don't have to try to sell it to them again. But when you're pitching to your gamer friends at a board game night where you all have a lot of opinions about games, right? I think it's different than when you bring a yeah. new game, right? Yeah, and I think the obvious places to start in that pitch is either you're either you're pitching the setting of the game i'm trying to train myself to say setting instead of theme because i because that's actually a, a better word for what we call theme um yeah that makes sense or or the mechanisms of the game mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and there is a i think one of the things that is a I guess I'll say a turnoff to me in terms of wanting to play a game is when the explanation or the, the pitch for it picks the wrong of those two things and does the uninteresting one. Um, like when a friend of mine will say, okay, we are artificers in 18th century Europe. I don't care. Right, I, I was saying, about I don't that wanna, at all. I don't know how good that game is, but I don't want to play it. <laughs> exactly, I'm out. But probably the exact same game when someone says, "Yeah, this is a this is a a game that does a really cool thing with a rondel mechanism," and they don't even have to go into details. They just tell me tell me there's something unusual about it that's very cool, 
That's all I yeah. need to know. Sure. Okay. Right, 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 right. And yeah. also, yeah, yeah, yeah. this also then, the pitch is part of the teach, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you've got the part where you're getting people's buy-in that they're willing to sit down at the table. And then there's a little bit more pitching in the opening sentences of the actual ex- rules explanation where you're getting further buy-in. You're get- That's when you're trying to get the hook where they're they're interested to know how they're going to accomplish this task. And I, I think, you know, we're talking about being the game sommelier, right? Like that makes the, the teach is even more of the pitch, right? Because you've said, I picked this game because you're going to enjoy it. Now I need to make sure that when I teach it, I hit the high points first to keep you excited. Before I switch to the parts that you might find not as exciting. And I know with themes too, like I like or settings or whatever, I when I'm um if I'm gonna play a game with someone who is very averse to specific themes, and I don't mean like in a bad way, like I mean like they like Settlers of Catan, and when I pitch to them a game about superheroes, they're immediately less interested than they would be about just a normal Euro style. I'm probably gonna talk about that part last after explaining that it's got a really cool rondell mechanic so that they hopefully are interested in that right right um yeah so i think uh that obviously understanding your audience then and um probably other things that came to mind is under and overselling can be problems probably yeah, for all of yes. these but i think especially in this scenario where you've got especially if we're talking about trying to get a i'll say non-gamer or non-hobby gamer at least interested in someone who doesn't play games regularly interested in playing this game Um, Mm -hmm. if you you don't want to keep selling them on the game once they've agreed to sit down to play (laughs) right 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 that can uh that can really get people thinking you're trying too hard and they'll put yeah, up some defenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, you know, saying things like this is the best game I've ever played. Um, you know, like that, or this is my favorite game. Um, I think telling people that can also, I mean, while you're trying to say like, Hey, I really enjoy this game can be stressful to people because they're like, Oh, this is Jonathan's favorite game. I probably shouldn't <laughs> hate it. Right. You know I mean? Like I'm going to make him feel bad if I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah. Yeah, so I think generally when I'm doing this kind of pitch, it's actually, I mean, unlike some of these others, you probably can easily have a backup plan. And it doesn't, you you can do this without having too much invested in the outcome of someone agreeing to play that specific game. Right, right. Yep. I mean, worst case, you've wasted the playtime of the game or a portion of the playtime of the game and then you and that's it right yeah but but right up front like you could you can you can ask questions about you know do you like x so let's say i mean i might start by saying hey do you like word games mm, and yeah find right, out right. And the answer could be yes or no but no you say, well then i've got a good one for you <laughs> yeah exactly then then i can pivot to something else but if you say yes then i can then i can say what's cool about this one um i can say well this this is going to surprise you this is a word game and it's also a dexterity game 
you know that's that's a mm-hmm. way i like to have a hook you know that say say the say the weird thing about in this case uh Kinexi as a game that you would never have imagined existed a word dexterity game so yeah. um you you that's that's kind of going to be similar with a lot of these other kinds of pitches is what sets it apart but i think what's different is you begin with by giving them the out you know they can you want a legitimate answer them to be, be able to legitimately say yeah it's not really my thing in which case you say oh yeah okay how about this other thing yep um and a lot and of that super low risk too like you said i mean it's just so low risk that absolutely they want to play it okay unless that's the only game you have in which case bummer but right yeah so um yeah so the the uh that question is going to be also probably tempting you to say it's like this other game that you know and i think you have to be careful there not to use that to um put people on the defensive again you don't want to say do you like monopoly and they say yeah and you say well this is kind of like monopoly but better or, or you know, you don't want to say but better. Or this is, and that's that's going to. The best case scenario, is people, are now going to try to prove you wrong, and the mm-hmm. worst case scenario is you've offended them. Right, right, right. <laughs> I I feel bad because I I that's my standard pitch for Yam Slam is, have you played Yahtzee? Yeah, do you enjoy Yahtzee? Yeah. After you play this game, you'll never want to play Yahtzee again because you'll realize this is the far superior game. And so far, <laughs> no one has ever disagreed with me after playing it because uh, it really is better than Yahtzee, in my opinion, and apparently in a lot of other people's opinions. But um, but that said, it, it probably is the wrong way. I basically, the safer way is to say, hey, this is like Yahtzee, except you don't have to write stuff down. Um, and, you know, you can score a little differently. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, I guess maybe a better way of, of freight for, for me to phrase it is, is like, like you said, is it's a risk. Right. It's a, right. It's right. Possibly an unnecessary risk. Oh, it's totally unnecessary, but I'm like, I, I've, it's, it's, you know, a game, like, I feel like when you meet a game where you're like, wow, this is everything I wish this other game had been. Um, It's hard not to be really excited about that. You know, when you really wanted to like the other game, but there's so many things about it that you don't like. <laughs> or I statements can be a way out of that. Right, right. I like this even better because. Right. Right. That diffuses right, right. it a little bit. First, I thought you said, do you like Monopoly? Yeah, this is nothing like it because Monopoly sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> That would not be cool. And I actually don't think that. But like that does seem like something somebody in the hobby game industry might say to someone. Yeah, and I I would be unlikely to say, do you like X? But it'd be more likely to say for me to say, what kind of games do you like? And have them answer with something. And I, I could say, well, it's a little bit like X. And I think that the a little bit like something is is a good mm-hmm. good statement to make. But when you as soon as you add but better or or it fixes all these problems, right. you're putting yourself right, right. out there. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've used before, too, to explain to someone like, hey, it's like this game, but it's a little easier to get into. You know, it's a little easier to a little simplified. Right. A little more streamlined. Um, and that is usually more of a case for like, hey, 
you like games, but you've tried these games and they're too much for you. So this is like that, but it's, it's, you know, it's good. You're going to find it a little more easy to get into. Um, yeah. So it's really about knowing the people and knowing, finding out what they like. You're right. Then I guess we'll move on to our next category, um, which is going to be pitching a game that you're working on to other to play testers and particularly i'm thinking other designers i'm thinking about mm -hmm. early play testing um yep. so again multiple environments here but let's think about something like a local design group or um protospiel slash unpub environment um where you're trying to get people to sit down to play you know, this is the case where I know that I have been on the receiving end of pitches that are very impassioned and that tends to put me in a bad mindset to be a playtester actually. Interesting. Because we when they're like like give me an example. I'm just curious. You don't like not yeah, a real example, so, but like so I if someone launches right into how cool this fictional world is that they have built and they tell me all about all about how this game is going to focus on the four dragons of Catharn and they oh. you know and yeah 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 it's that is all I think we're going to get to other types of pitches where those can't, that can be exactly the right thing to do. But right. in this setting, I am here to play test games. Mm -hmm. I'm here to look at early stuff and make it better. I, right. I get immediately, I, I make the assumption, which could be wrong. It was probably wrong of me to make the assumption, but it, for, it, it puts me in the mindset that this person cares so much about their game that it's going to be a struggle to get them to accept any feedback. That's a gosh. So, so first, of all, I'd want to call out that that absolutely sounds like a stereotype. However, like I've experienced that numerous times where I've, I've, you know, met someone like at a proto, not a proto spiel, but like at an unpub and they you know or just a con and they say like oh this is my game it's about and then they explain this hyper specific thing many times it's like a world they've created or something uh and you play test it and and they are not interested in substantial feedback right like they yeah. feel very very connected to the game very you know precious for lack of a better term about the game and i, I think we can all get that way sometimes right but yep absolutely um, that does seem to be a predictor that I didn't think about, but I think it's because those people like in general, who are going to create that thing, that creation, that story to them is what is what's important about the game. Right. Yep. And anything that might change how they think that should work is, is kind of an attack, right. For lack of a better term on, on right. their whole idea. And I think that very same enthusiasm and even subject matter could mm -hmm. be the right thing when we're talking about pitching the game to a customer. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. that, cause what you, it's what you want to get out of this interaction. 
are you in this case when we're pitching to other designers what you want to get out of the interaction is someone who understands what you're trying to do and is willing to spend the time to help you achieve your goals right it is interesting though as an aside just to the other like talking thinking about pitching to a publisher or to a sales prospect and i know i'm getting ahead of here but i'll make it quick but like with if i was thinking of I, recently when you were talking about pitching to friends to play a game it, i pitched quacks of quidlinburg because we were at geekway it was in the library i was like this game's great y'all you should try it if you like uh taverns of tiefenthal it's got some similarities same designer worth trying right and um and i just when you said that the first thing i thought of like if that game maybe there is a narrative around it but if that game somebody came to me and said jason i got this game for you to play so you're potion masters and the king is having a big tournament and like and told me all this stuff i'd be like i'm i'm so not interested in that but if they were like hey this is then this is what i tell people so in this game you're trying to make the biggest craziest potion possible it doesn't even matter what it is you just want it to be big but you don't want it to blow up like and it's crazy because it might blow up and this 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 and they're like oh that sounds cool and like that's how the game was pitched to me as well um so it, it is interesting like depending on the person i think with the publisher that's less important because you should know going into it this publisher wants that really heavy story or that really fine detail but with a customer who just walks up to your booth you have no idea if that's what they're interested in or not yeah yeah i think um i think the way the way that you just described quacks there i would still say that's a thematic pitch right, right. even though it is also the mechanisms right which is right, i think right, is maybe right. the best because you're because you're getting both you know you're, you're saying right right what is the world that we're in but you're not you don't have to be specific about everything um and you're right, keeping right. it short mm -hmm. um i think that was a complete pitch that you gave there in two sentences because yeah, because it's the best game <laughs> it is it is currently one of my favorite games to play um, because it's it's filled with a lot of those aha moments except for a lot of times those aha moments are negative because you've pushed your luck too far and you've screwed yourself <laughs> yeah so i think um so back to you know pitching to other designers um uh -huh, I uh -huh. my opinion is that your pitch should talk very briefly about the it's it's unlikely that the setting slash theme is the important part of your pitch here um in this setting um i think that the type of game is important to get the right people at the table mm -hmm. like there are going to be people who say you know i just i don't play deck builders so i'm not the right person to give you feedback on a deck builder right 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 um i think that the setting and theme stuff you still want to have but that's going to be during the the teaching of the game i don't i'm, I'm making i'm making bold generalizations here um yeah just and I, I don't <laughs> It's interesting because like, while I just made the statement about like, don't tell me the crazy theme, you know, there are a few designers that I know um, who have come to me and said, like, this is a game I'm working on. Here's the theme. And it's like, generally, in those cases, it's been a real world theme. And it's so engaging. Yeah. That, like, 
I'm like, oh my gosh, like, but, but I think, you know, um, I think that it's like, if the theme ties really well into the mechanics or the theme is a very visual gamified theme where like when you hear it you're like oh my gosh like i know exactly yes i know yeah i get why this is a game i think that that is tied so intrinsically together it's not a big crazy story right mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah on, so yeah. so watch me backpedal okay so i'm gonna <laughs> um i'm gonna say Thanks. that first i think you can say pretty much anything you want if it's two sentences um yeah that's true and as a specific example that I gave earlier in our conversation, the, that this uh, language is the world game that I was talking about, um, that was very engaging to me, to, a, to me as a setting. But the person didn't have to go on about it for, at length to tell me about the setting and, and all the details about it in, in a few words. Well, that's an interesting right. thing to have a game about. Tell me more. And that, and that is key. You're absolutely correct. That is the difference, right? They didn't have to go on a 10 minute narrative about why they like it so much. Right. I think, so I think that is the key takeaway on that is you can say anything you want in two sentences or less about your game's theme. Right. I'm like, I think that that is, um, I think that's really good as an intro. And that if people want to know more, because some people are going to be like, oh, tell me about those four dragons, you know, that hold up the world. Like, I want to know that. And then they can. But yeah, I do think you're right. When you're pitching to another designer, like I generally lead with a theme and mechanisms kind of tied together because I feel like that is helpful. And like you said, too, like when somebody says to me, hey, Jason, I've got a real-time game I, I want to pitch to you and I want you to play test it for me. I'm generally going to say like, it doesn't matter to me what it's about. I'm going to be a bad play tester. So if you're looking for someone who's awful, you can have me, but I probably won't have good feedback. Um, and I'm just, it's not something that I'm great at. Uh, so yeah, you know, um, that said too, if somebody said, Hey Jason, I've got this two hour Euro. I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, let's talk to somebody else. <laughs> I'm not going to play it. Um, <laughs> And, and that is part of that is knowing what I enjoy in games. But I think what you enjoy in games is is what you have more experience with in games. Right. So like two hour mm-hmm. euros, I don't have much experience with the experience that I have is is mostly negative to borderline. OK. Uh, and my experience with real time games are they can be fun, but they do so much anxiety um, that I don't really have a good time playing them um and that's a personal thing Mm -hmm. um and if it's simple like a stroop or um gosh what was the one by cardboard edison i don't remember anymore it was a long long time ago um it was about a shogun um i can't remember what it's called gosh that was a long time ago it was van rider game um and i uh um i liked that one because it was it was quick it was simple, but I've played ones where there's like a ton of things you have to remember in real time or there's like the the galaxy game or whatever, where you're like speed trying to do stuff like as a whole team. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I would just I would have dreams about that. So. But when someone's pitching something, a game to me as a designer to the designer to play test it, I don't necessarily have to enjoy it but I do want to know what I'm getting myself into. 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, and it is good to ask that. Like, how long does the game last? <laughs> sure, because setting you, expectations. You want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is something that I feel like you should try to be really honest and clear about as when you're doing that pitch. And I also think that one of the one of the defining differences about this kind of a pitch is that you should make sure to have your hopes and dreams be clear in your pitch. You need mm-hmm. to you need to let people know what you want out of the game and what you want out of the play test if you can. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's very, very important to know that. This is a game that I have been working on and I'm hoping to get in front of publishers and and, and I want to make sure it it has a market. That is a very different kind of playtest feedback that I'm going to give than mm-hmm. this is a game that is nearly finished and yes. I'm I'm just gonna um you know, this is something I'm gonna print for myself and send a whole bunch of copies to friends and family Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm going to enjoy that just as much but i'm getting very different feedback because it doesn't have to find a market right right i i I think you're absolutely right about that 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 does make a difference and you know even yeah knowing like i'm hoping this game is gonna go to the mass market right like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing because that also very 100 colors your feedback because you want to make sure that you're giving useful and appropriate feedback you know and um and that's something where you know being interested in mass market games and designing them that's something that i've I've done a lot in my playtesting with asking you know people like if you you know finding people who are into mass market games and then having them say like this is too complicated for that for me right like yeah because because you run into the trap where a hobby gamer is like oh this is super simple this would be great and then you show it to a mass market uh player or publisher and they're like oh this is really complicated you're like is it <laughs> are you sure <laughs> yeah so i guess my summary there is i i think i feel that in the scenario where you're trying to pitch to play testers it isn't it's a pitch but it's not a sales pitch right right and it's, it's a all- can i have your time pitch and your exactly feedback. yeah and it's also yeah. not a rules explanation that comes after they have accepted the pitch yep, yep. that's a that is a really really good point because yeah because they're sold at that point that they're going to try it though the rules yeah. expectations may the rules explanation may make them wish they hadn't said they would try it <laughs> that's a whole separate conversation <laughs> um. <laughs> True. So then, true. so then we're on to the one that we're we probably have to say the least about because it's the right. one that we think about all the time, which is pitching to a publisher. Exactly. Exactly. So what's what's different about this? Um, one thing that came to mind for me is that, in contrast to all of these other kinds of pitches, a central part of it is describing the market niche that you're going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, obviously, it I think it's also the most targeted pitch, right? To where mm-hmm. like, you know, pitching to another designer is really pitching to any designer. Pitching to playtesters, pitching to any playtester, and while those change, you know, pitching to publishers in general, unless you're doing like a speed pitching thing, uh, which is its own little sub variant of this, because that is you know there are some differences in that. Um, I think that when you're doing a normal pitches you have to be so hyper specific with which publishers do i talk to and tailoring that 
And that's part of the whole market. What's the market for the game, right? Just like you said, knowing what the market is and knowing uh, who is going to be able to assist you with that market is key. Right. And um, I think uh, in addition to the market, you know, there are other things that publishers care about that that nobody else is going to care about directly like what components are in the game you know that that mm-hmm. is a you know it, this is going to be a, uh simple to produce because it's only a deck of cards or whatever that right right no one else and, i mean those those are all you know those are all important features to tell a publisher right and also features in things to research ahead of time right to know what does a publisher expect out of you know like what what do I expect of this publisher? Um, yeah, so I mean that is obviously a really big one, right? To understand. So, mm-hmm. so another thing that uh, the publisher is going to care about, um, we kind of actually touched on it. I think it's different in this case is comparing the game to other games. We were just talking about how when you're pitching to other players, I think there's a hazard in saying. This is like game X, but fixes these problems. Whereas I think that exact same thing right, right, right. is ideal in pitching to a publisher. Right, right. Give them touchstones and then say how it's different and why it's going to hit a different segment of the market or the same segment will want to buy this one too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, I think that's a, a really solid point. And those touch points are really, really helpful for publishers in general, for them understanding what you're trying to do. And obviously, I think that once you sit down with a publisher and they start looking at the game, they figure that out very quickly as well, right? Like, oh, this is what you're, this this is these two games you've put together. You're trying to do this with these different mechanics, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we could, say a lot more there but i think we have in the course of yeah, and 530 I mean, episodes right i would say this is a topic <laughs> that we've we've covered extensively over those 530 episodes and like you said is the well one of the most important arguably the most important if you're hoping to get your game published uh but yeah i mean there it's also the one i think that people have the best understanding of right because if you want to go out there and look like this is that this is this is the thing you could find the most information on out there in the world. So yeah, yeah. So then we can move on to um, to the final end of the chain. You got a published game, and now you're mm-hmm. trying to sell it. So this could be yeah. that uh, you're self-publishing and you're running a Kickstarter campaign, or it could be that you you're working with a smaller publisher and they want you there at the booth um, doing demos or, or anything mm-hmm. in between those. Um, and uh, again, I'm going to plug again, that awesome uh, interview on shop and sit down, look that up. Cause that's what they were talking about, but right. This is, this was their specific focus, correct? Right. Yeah. And, and but they were saying things that, that resonated with me, but I hadn't really thought about and i've been in this situation working at a booth at gen con or Mm -hmm. or similar and um and i've been on the other end of wandering the halls at a gen con or looking at a kickstarter page or Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. there's those are they're actually more similar than they are different i think um uh, yeah yeah i mean 
I was just going to say, really, you think about a Kickstarter video that shows the highlights of a game is really not that different than a three minute demo of a game at a convention, right? Where they just kind of walk you through the pieces and, oh, this is how the game works, right? I mean, that's those are very close to the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it seems to me that while all of these pitches, um, shorter is better, I think mm-hmm. that that requirement gets stricter and stricter as we go on here. And at this point, right, right. it's got to be it's got to be laser focused because yeah. people's attention is, is being pulled every which way. I think in, in terms of the laser focused thing, it, it, you're you're, I think, saying like laser focused in the fact that it takes a short amount of time to give the right amount of information. Right. Yeah. You're getting you're getting to the exciting bit quickly right yeah not, yeah yeah right yeah and that is you know there are seven dragons of you know like like or, that can go on or mechanically long. could be the, exactly yeah. the same thing this is a worker placement game with a run right. system and you get action yeah, points right. that you spend on that's not interesting either right yeah that's a good point I, what i was thinking too was like um I, I think that laser focused also applies to this is the pitch that needs to be the single most accurate of the four pitches, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you're pitching to friends to play a game uh, that's already published, worst case, they hate it. They never talk to you again. That's pretty unlikely. More likely, worst case is just they're like, hey, we don't like this. Don't pick games anymore. Um, <laughs> pitching to a, a designer to play with you. I mean, not a lot of time wasted if that goes poorly. Pitching a game to a publisher um, by not giving them all the full details or correctly explaining all the full details or, you know, not highlighting certain things might lose you a game sale, but it also, um, you know, it also might be that they discover that when they've already showed interest in the game and they think, Oh, we can fix that. No big deal. But the number of times that I have bought a game where, um, the pitch that they gave me is not the game that I played. Um, is really frustrating, right? Because like I've spent my money on it. I've bought this game. I already own too many. Now I've bought this game and it turns out that I, I don't like this game um, because the demo you showed me was, was not correct. I, there's a, um, gosh, I can't remember what the game is. There was this infamous game that Rob and I uh, got demos of for two years at Gen Con. I don't remember what it was. I wish I did. But for two years, we got demos of this game at Gen Con and both times we wanted to like the game and the demos were just the game looked awful. And then I don't know how, but somehow Rob won a copy or just was like, found it really cheap. And so he bought it and he was like, this game is phenomenal. He's like, this game is is one of my favorite games. Now he's like, the person just was awful at at demoing this game. Like, (laughs) and um, you know, this person or persons, we don't know if it was the same person the second year or not, because it was just a booth worker. It wasn't like the publisher or something like that themselves. Um, You know, so like, that is such a big disservice on either side of getting it wrong, right? Of not pitching it in a way that is, is honest about the game. And I don't mean like being dishonest, but I mean like honest and like correct and accurate Accurate. in the description, right? Accurate's a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, And I see also you have noted on here comparisons to other games, which obviously is a super easy way to tell people, right? Like you said, you know, to say, Hey, it's kind of like if you like patchwork, you might like this game because this is the same mm-hmm. type of thing, right? Um, 
though I, I think that another nice piece of information you get out of that when somebody says, hey, if you like this game, you might like this, is you can think, well, I do like that game. But am I really going to like another game better than that game? Because like, right? Like if somebody says, hey, for instance, uh, Splendor, one of my all-time favorite games to play with my wife. And if somebody said to me, this game is like Splendor, uh, but with this slight difference, um, it's almost like, do I want an expansion to Splendor? Because that's what this feels, that's what that sounds like, right? Like a standalone expansion. In fact, I've talked about this on the show before, but like for a long time, people kept telling me, oh, Marvel Splendor is super cool. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it's really is. And then I read all this stuff about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it says it's better. And then I bought it and it's like markedly better. Um, it like fixes things that I think are broken with Splendor. And uh, and we that's all we play now. Um, you know, but like when you when I first saw that, I thought, oh, they're just trying to make me want to buy a Marvel version of Splendor. And I do, I do want to buy that, but I can't justify that. Um, until I found out that it turns out it was, it was uh, every bit as good as they promised and even I think better. So, um, so yeah, I just, that is one of the hardest things for me at cons is when, because that I think is when we have cons and Kickstarters are the two times we get the most, but I think with a Kickstarter, unless you're doing a full demo of a game, at a con, like a full sit down, play the whole game demo, you really get a lot more information out of a Kickstarter. Because there's usually videos you can watch. Um, you've got 30 days possibly to make your decision. At a con, it's right now, right? You are giving me the information right now. I may never see this game again. Yeah, I mean, I almost think that we're talking about two different aspects of sales. I almost wouldn't call that the pitch. Getting more information. I almost feel like that's, that's post-pitch. Yeah, that's you know, yeah, that's, no, I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's when you're it's, invested enough. You haven't bought, but you're invested enough right, to right. try it. So that we kind of like kind of like the same phase in. Well, that that brings to mind another thing that um, in that interview that I was talking about, they were giving a, a scaffolding for this kind of pitch where mm -hmm. you would that I thought was great that where you figure out what you're going to say about the game in a couple sentences. Mm -hmm. And so you say, you know, this is a game about uh, being a sailor who isn't very good at sailing because they've been into the grog. And so in this game, you're going to be drawing on this uh, this transparency and then overlaying it on these islands and see where your uh, where the route of your ship Mm -hmm, goes mm -hmm. you know, I'm, obviously i have not right. practiced this pitch um right, right. <laughs> but but you get that down to a couple sentences and then you say if you say something along the lines of if that sounds like fun i can take you through around of the game in about three minutes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the they were saying that this this helps in a lot of ways Someone who is not interested in your game after, if they've practiced that pitch, someone who's not interested is probably just not interested. Right, right. So you That's don't want to waste yeah. your time selling to someone who's not going to buy. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of other people to talk to. And yep. if they are intrigued, mm -hmm. and, and this gives them a social out because it's easy to say, yeah, I got three minutes or mm -hmm. no, I've got an event coming up. I just don't, I don't have the time. Right, right. And that's, 
non-awkward way for people to go away or it gives them the sense that they're not going to be trapped for an hour right 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 yeah yeah that those are that's 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 a really good point and i i find that like when i try to explain um uh games to people like when i'm working at a um uh in fact it's funny because the game that immediately came to mind with this is is filler a game by hey jonathan chaffer um (laughs) with green couch (laughs) games uh because i was pitching that at a convention and like katarski showed me how to pitch that game in about a minute with the cards and basically show them a turn of the game uh and that i would just when some as the person walked away, I would just quick stack the deck the same way. And then like, and that avoided even the necessity to say, can I, can I show you like a three minute round of the game? Uh, Cause I literally just, they said, what's this game? And I said, Oh, this game is about this blah, 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 blah. And literally within 60, maybe 90 seconds, I'd explain the whole thing and they could be on their merry way if they wanted. Yeah. Uh, though a, a decent number were like, yeah, I'll take that. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's kind of like you you do it as a bit of a you know as a stair step thing. If if your game if it's gonna if it's a complicated game and it's going to take ten minutes to give a really good feel for the game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you figure okay, what can I how can I boil this down to thirty seconds? Yeah, and yep. then if they're interested, now we're gonna do the next two minutes, and if they're interested, now we're gonna do the next eight minutes. Yeah, that is um that is a really really um good um good point there. Yeah, and I I I think that that is I'm so used to explaining simpler games cuz that's what I design. Exactly. <laughs> so like and I know you're the same way, so like hence the fact that it's a little easier to describe your game um to others. Uh yeah, yeah. So no, I think that's good. And I and I do think I was thinking about all the after pitch research stuff. I think part of that the reason I get kind of confused on that in my brain is just because uh, for so many years, you know, in the earlier days of me going to Gen Con, like I bought games based on that 30 second pitch, right? Like, Hey, you want to buy a game? The blah, 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 blah. blah. I do. Um, Or sometimes even less, sometimes you're buying a game off the box cover pitch, right? Uh, The silent pitch, the pitch of here's the box, read the box and see if you want to play this game. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I think, one of the best pitches and one of the worst pitches because it has the best chance to be inaccurate about what the game is actually fun <laughs> and like about. Yeah. Um, because the box is meant to be fun in a sales pitch, right? That gets you yes. to buy the game because that's the purpose of the box. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, unless like their purpose is like a 10 minute game and then you're like, this takes an hour. Um, that would not be cool. So. Yeah. So uh, that's that's four different four different types of pitches. Um, yeah, I thought maybe we could wrap up by just thinking about, you know, we talked about what how they're different. How are they the same? And the things that came to mind for me are, in every case, you want to be as short and on target as you can. Mm-hmm. And in every case, you need to understand who you're pitching to, either mm-hmm. either in advance of the pitch or via the pitch. Yep. And I think every pitch specifically is designed to get some sort of buy-in right from the the person you're pitching to some sort whether it's a cash buy-in or or a contract or them to play the game or them to be excited about the game and help you with the game yeah yep 
Yeah, and in every case, even if it doesn't involve money, it involves time, which is right. our most valuable As we know, possession. is money. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So speaking yeah. of pitching. Uh, yes. So what we're going to do now is uh, neither one of us have anything we want to pitch right now. So Jonathan offered to pitch a game based on uh, a, uh, if I can find this here, based on a title um that we um uh that we just generate off this uh place called let's make a game uh specifically using the game title generator so we haven't done one of these in quite a while i'm excited um okay we are gonna go with terrible skydiving dreamland <laughs> All right, so terrible. Okay, but I just want to throw out there's an. I'm just still clicking it. There's another one called Downtown Math Dudes, and I'm going to save that one because that is also that is really good. Excellent. Okay, so terrible skydiving dreamland. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, so terrible skydiving dreamland is a game about attempting to wake up from a dream when you're falling from a great height before you hit the ground. And so that's good. That's it's good. going to be um, a push your luck game. The player who is able to have the most exciting and fulfilling dream before waking up wins. Uh, but if you hit the ground, you're out because if you die in the matrix, you die in real life. So this will be um, a card game where uh, you are going to play cards that are exciting events that happen in the dream um, that are going to boost uh, some sort of excitement scale. Um, but each one also gets you closer to the, um, closer to the ground target. There'll be a descending altitude meter that goes down. So we'll have a, we'll need a board so that we mm -hmm. can, we can mark your current altitude. And um, at any point you can stop and try to wake up, but obviously we're not lucid dreamers in this case. So you can't mm -hmm. guarantee that you're going to wake up. So that will be a that'll be a die roll to determine if you can wake up after any given so you got to start early enough so you have several chances to wake up right 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 <laughs> and the cards that you play could can decrease your altitude they can increase the excitement and they can um they can jostle you they can start start you on on the oh. way to wake up and so mm -hmm. you're going to have to decide which of those is most important to play on any given right turn. right right do you make it easier for yourself to wake up when the time comes or do you focus on on scoring the points and this because every game i design is this way this is also a simultaneous uh, action game so everyone's yes. going to choose a card from the hand and reveal it at the same time and yep. advance and then we see if anyone wakes up and I think that makes a lot of sense for a game like this, right? Is that, um, you know, that simultaneous action so that you 
everyone's you know playing there's no like turn of like oh jonathan you know was falling first so yeah yeah no i agree with that that's good that's really good i it's funny because what what popped in my head uh when you started talking about it was uh was kirby's dreamland just because <laughs> yep I played you know title. kirby recently and uh and i was just like uh like picturing so in my mind i'm picturing you know i know what you said which was uh <laughs> like you have to wake up before you hit the ground um but like i was picturing all this like fluffy kirby stuff and like maybe like food you eat and all these these fluffy happy things and you're like because you know if you hit the ground you die and i was like <laughs> oh gosh like <laughs> we got it's got to be terrible somehow yeah i mean and then i was just like Oh man, like uh that is uh that's yeah, wow. <laughs> so anyways, well that was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> well now um, I'm gonna be busy designing this thing. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a winner. So what I was picturing too was like you uh I was actually originally picturing you like when Mario falls and you're trying to collect coins or something as you fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you're trying to like line things up and like that was the first thing that popped into my head. Um but uh cards that you're playing obviously makes it a lot simpler than having to have a board where you're like manipulating your movement across the board and down, right? That's mm-hmm. that's a little harder to um yeah um awesome well hey that was great and this was a super fun discussion i'm, I'm glad you could come on thank you for doing that absolutely come on it's always a pleasure cool info um listeners thank you for joining us i hope you learned some things about the pitches we don't always talk about and the breakdown of you know which pitch you're going to be doing uh so yeah hey if you uh want to get in touch with us you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com there you can find our discord channel check that out um, you can also go to build email us at building the game podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcast BTG at J a Slingerland or at uncle John Bob for Jonathan. And uh, you can of course come back every single week, but until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends, building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.